Welcome to Dear Teacher. In the previous episode, you heard Mr. Phil Hayes, a 35-year veteran of the public school system, talk all about the years he spent teaching social studies and taking students traveling around the world. This week, you're going to hear from a teacher at the very beginning of his teaching career. Mr. Michael Thomas will talk all about how his passion for people brought him into the field, how he incorporates practical life advice into the classroom, and how his own ninth grade English teacher still inspires him to this day. For the benefit of listeners, tell us a little bit about what you teach and what your teaching career has been like so far. So I am a language arts teacher. I teach seventh grade language arts here in Central Florida. Uh, You guys might know this place is Lakeland. It's been good so far. So my experience I guess I'd have to count my teacher assistance experience too while I was in college. So I, I was a TA, I believe my sophomore year, mm-hmm. I was a TA for um, an elementary school that was, it was like a, a private BPK school and I TA'd for a kindergarten and first grade class. I did that for about two years and between doing that class, working at the YMCA, working with kids in different fields. That's when I realized, you know what, teaching's pretty cool. I'm gonna go ahead and do that and pursue that. And I continued to pursue that and kind of changed up my major to, to be a, a language arts teacher. Um, eventually had you as a professor in, in some of the classes. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so this has been the first year teaching. Obviously this year is an asterisk for everybody because of COVID, <laughs> right. but it was still pretty good up until March is when everything changed. But going going into March, everything was... It was it was pretty fun. It was pretty solid. I, I can't complain at all. I I might have missed it. Did you say what grade you taught this year? Yes, I teach seventh grade. Seventh grade. Okay, got it. So I'm curious about something you just said. You said that it was working with youth that uh, made you interested in teaching. What was it about that experience that made you kind of change directions and say, "Hey, I want to be a teacher"? It just became easy. Like it, I I feel like it was just a natural god-given thing to connect with people um like every job i've had has just always been connecting with people or some form of community service job so being a teacher it just it just fit up that alley it just worked in that alleyway like i i just it was just natural working with kids i i didn't feel uncomfortable like i felt like i was more free to express myself and in turn the kids felt like they were free to more to express themselves nine times out of ten it normally goes that way and um, yeah, it it's just it just came very easily. It it wasn't hard. It wasn't something I needed to figure out. Um, so yeah, that's great. I I love it when people can end up in a job that feels natural for them rather than something they have to force themselves to go to and do every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Did it live up to your expectations? Let's let's not count the pandemic teaching because we all know that's <laughs> a little crazy um, and mm-hmm. very different. But did the did the beginning of your teaching year live up to your expectations? In some aspects, yes, I, I would say I would say so. Uh, I've heard just from being in high school and college, and I kind of I've kind of hung around with teachers. I always kept in touch with my high school teachers and even some middle school teachers. And I, I kind of understood the gist of what they would tell me, how it's different on the inside, how it's different when you're a teacher. And there's just some things that you're, you're not going to like, some things you need to expect. So I kind of expected certain things. So I had 
um, my expectations high in some areas, but then I also had them low in some other areas. So that way I wasn't, I still ended most days or most weeks on a good note. The first week of school, I will admit was exhausting and draining. But after that, I, like, I, I knew what I could bank on and what I couldn't bank on. And I just kind of picked uh, where to invest certain things, where to invest my time and hopes into. So because of that, the, the end of the, the whole year before COVID was good to me. It, it was It was great for me good what did you enjoy the most so far in any of your teaching experiences what is it that you like most about being in the classroom Hmm. there's a there's a lot of things i really enjoy the communal aspect so i have a teacher that sits across from me her name is miss anderson she teaches eighth grade and um she was like a godsend i i love she's like an auntie to me and i love talking to her like at the end of each day, like I would stay after school for hours. My my wife would get like upset, like, yo, you're still at school. <laughs> but you know, like when you're when you're at school, when you're at work, you have like a whole work family. Like yeah. you really spend a good chunk of your day with them, um, every single day. And it's a routine. So I enjoyed that aspect. I enjoyed whenever I, I had a chance to talk to students about finances which is kind of tricky because you teach language arts or I teach language arts. So where are you going to find a room to talk about money? Mm -hmm. Um, But I try to incorporate that in everything because I realized the older I got, the more I wish, man, I wish I had more economic classes. I wish, I wish economics was a common core, math, science, English, social studies, economics. Like I feel like that should be that, that fifth common core class. And it's just not, and I don't know if it'll ever be. So I, I try to incorporate, a money system so students can understand money and be versed to money and not when they get money, not know what to do with themselves. So I try to incorporate that and make it fun in the classroom. I have like a token system and all that stuff. So that's really fun whenever that gets to happen. And then the moments when we're not teaching, like uh, in March is when things were starting to get more fun because the school year was winding down and Mm -hmm. testing was about to come and go. so we were doing like more after school stuff. I was involved in, in the basketball team and going to after school practices. And it's those moments of just watching the kids grow with each other and figure out things with each other and getting things from getting their ideas formed, both from students and teachers alike. I really enjoy those experiences. So I'd say outside the classroom where we're doing extracurriculars, talking about finances and then the co-workers itself. Oh, and then also whenever there's that aha moment, mm-hmm. um, whenever there's an aha moment, I can't remember what story. Oh, you, you remember um, the Twilight Zone, the the monsters doing Maple Street? No. You remember that episode of Twilight Zone? I don't think um, I've seen that one. Essentially, it's, it's a, it's, it was in our common core to discuss. It's always in it for seventh graders. And essentially that episode, there's a, there's an episode on it. And then obviously there's the, 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 the transcript of it, like in text. So we, we analyze both. And basically what that episode is about is it's a regular town, regular small town, everything is going fine. And then I don't know where the power cuts off all hmm. the power. And not even just the power of like the appliances, like things in the house, but like the cars won't start, radios, like things that run on batteries or things that like don't even require power, like the water won't work, like stuff like that. Everything was just weird. And then the town just kind of goes into blaming each other and blaming each other for all the madness. 
um, and like, oh my gosh, maybe it's this person because this person's weird. And I saw this person staying up until two o'clock in the morning at night, looking into the sky, kind of like insinuating that they're probably an alien. And then that dude was just like, no, listen, I just, I stayed up because I'm, I have insomnia. I, I can't go to sleep. So I go outside and just wander. And that's, that's all it is. But then that person points the finger at somebody else and says, mm-hmm. oh no, it's, it's the kid, the little teenager, because the little kid reads comics about aliens and all that stuff. So everybody goes blaming each other. Somebody eventually shoots somebody because they, they're so scared that they don't know who to believe and who to trust. And essentially, the, the whole town turns into a rubble, right? It's it's chaos. Everybody's at each other's throats. Yeah. Um, and then the the quote unquote aliens, they look and they're like, you see, all you gotta do is just cut off their power. Just just turn a few appliances off, turn a car off, and then they'll go blame each other. We don't even have to invade the earth. All we gotta do is just give it a little push, and they will go crazy, right? That's pretty much the whole the whole idea. So. I, I tell this to my students. I'm like, you see, this is this is what I ask them. What do you think the author is arguing? And essentially that people lose their minds. But then, you know, middle schoolers, they think they're right about everything. And they're like, Mr. <laughs> Thomas, that will never, ever be us. That will never, ever be us, Mr. Thomas. We know we have our heads. If something was to happen, it's okay. Like We won't lose our minds if, if something irregular was to happen. We won't go blaming each other for it. And I said, oh, really? And I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. I told them, I said, you, do you remember last Monday when I was absent and we had a substitute covering the class? How, how did you guys behave that day? And then that same student, she was like, oh, I get it. And then that was, that was so great. The whole class just laughed. And then it was like, dang, Ms. Thomas, you're right. I guess we all are some scrubs. And I was like, yeah, y'all terrible people. Y'all are no different than these full-grown adults. But then that's terrible because those full-grown adults were acting like children. So it, it was those kind of aha moments, like, to see learning play out in real life. Yes. Those are the dope moments as well. So that's the fourth. That'll be the fourth one. It is nice when they see the connections to real life, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that yeah, that was pretty cool. That was that was really funny. And is your school one that encourages you to connect curriculum to like current events or are you told to kind of not go there? Absolutely. Um definitely they they let us connect everything to what's going on they encourage it for us to do it as much as we can that's one thing that i that where my expectations were low but i ended they ended up exceeding my expectations in that regard because my school and my principals gave me the liberty to do whatever as long as the the common core was being taught um to incorporate whatever i need to incorporate to make learning as relevant and if it's as fun as possible so Definitely did all that stuff. That sounds like a pretty exciting environment where you've got the freedom to make those connections. I'm thinking particularly of uh, teachers that I've talked to who are in schools that have asked them not to talk about anything political and be careful of relating to current events for fear of offending parents or uh, making political statements. And I like that they're giving you the freedom to make the connections for the students because I don't know that the students always automatically can do that on their own. Right. And and it's good for them to know what you learn in the classroom is connected to what you encounter in life. And here's how to use it. Right. 
I never tell my students what I think or believe. I just open the floor and have them. Mm -hmm. You know, I've seen college professors do the same thing. You know, I'm pretty sure he did it a few times. You know, you don't really share. You don't want to sway the audience (laughs) or sway people. You want them to come to their own conclusions. So that that happens numerous times. And those those would be some really fun debates. Immature sometimes because they're 12, but still fun debates. Did you have any favorite moments this year? Just whenever they tell me stories, like these kids say the dumbest things ever. And it really cracks me up. And and especially <laughs> when they're so misinformed, like they've been playing a lifelong telephone game of misinformation. Like I had this one kid try to convince mm. me that he knew something about like this hip hop artist that I didn't know. And I'm like, dude, I've lived through this. I'm telling you, your the information you have is false. Um, but then he would tell me, so he will respond and say, so you calling my mother a liar? <laughs> and I'd be like, I mean, I'm telling you what you know isn't true. But it's like those kind of things where, where students think they know everything. Um, that that kills me every time. I think one time this one student told me for Thanksgiving, he was so excited. He was like, Mr. Thomas, I got to tell you something. Yo, for Thanksgiving, I had a possum. I was like, you had a possum? What do you mean you had a possum? Oh, like my uncle, he caught it and then we ate it. Like, you know how you eat a turkey? We ate a possum. And I said, okay, all right. And then the entire class is just looking at this one student <laughs> as he's telling this story. And then they're looking at me, waiting for me to say something to like kind of break the tension. And those moments happen all the time. And I'm just kind of like, all right guys, so we're back to page 261. I'm glad everybody's here safe. Uh, Like, so there's some moments where I just don't know what to say. Like, I didn't know (laughs) what to say to that. I had no idea. Um, So there, there are plenty of moments where students their students do that. I think one time, two times, I played two students one-on-one in basketball, and I destroyed them, and it was it was great. I, I, ah. I killed them. I broke their spirits. It was fantastic. I, you know, I'm not a terribly athletic person, even though I love watching sports. And one time in the college classroom, I was teaching a class of freshmen, freshman writing, and I had one of the athletes that was a starter. I think he was on was the football team. He was goofing off at the beginning of class, and he kept trying to make a basket Mm -hmm. with these crumpled up pieces of paper and I walked into the room and the students all thought I would be kind of mad and make everybody get started and I was like well it's my turn and and it was just great he missed his shot and I made mine it was a wonderful (laughs) start to my class (laughs) that's always great when you can show up a student like that in front of his friends finances might be the answer to this but I'm curious is there any topic that you would want to talk about yeah I can talk money to my students all the live long day just because I'm still learning a lot of it so I I like to learn from their perspectives as well, too, to see what they know. And it gives me more perspective of what of what I used to know when I was 12, 13. Um, I could talk about music to my students all day. I could talk about movies to my students all day. Um, and I can talk drama to my students all day. I love talking so much crap about the other students behind their back. It's so good. It's so, and and I, the reason why I do it, and I do it just really to be funny, but Another reason why I do it is so that way students could realize to not take half of the things that happen in middle school seriously. And that includes relationships because there's so many things where Mm -hmm. like students would get bent out of shape over the littlest of things. And I, I do that 
so that way students can see, yo, it's not that serious. It's really not that serious. Number one, I hope the students could trust me to talk about these things because I'm so open about it. But number two, for them to see, yeah, it's it's just middle school. Like we know that as adults. But my goal is, of course, I don't think middle schoolers will think it's just middle school when they're in middle school. Like, no, this is life. This is everything right now. This is just like how as adults, us as teachers, we spend eight hours of our day with coworkers that we would look at eventually as family. These students, they spend eight hours a day too. And they look at this as, as their family, this is home. So at, at the same token though, I still want them to know that, okay, yes, this is, this is important formative years, but it's not everything. It is not everything. Not everything requires you to get upset. Not everything requires you to want to fight somebody. Not everything requires you to want to gossip or talk about somebody. This is, it's a good lesson to learn, right? I, um, well, you know, this was my first year teaching ninth graders and I had never taught anybody that young. So mine were 14 and 15. And I realized quickly that that is an age where Mm -hmm. everything is super dramatic and and it was it was unbelievable sometimes so i love that you're dedicated to helping your kids just kind of take a chill pill and realize not everything needs to be blown out of proportion mm-hmm. and a huge deal there, there were so many days Th- where good. i would see <laughs> two students like walking down the hall holding hands and then i, I have like a megaphone in my class it's like mm-hmm. eight bucks it's really good it's, you should invest in it especially since you have like a softer voice you don't got to be yelling all day um so i have like a, a megaphone that i got from walmart and whenever i would see two students holding hands you know probably because they like each other or a relationship or whatever i'll be like wow that's the fifth girl's hand you're holding this week mari wow why do you keep holding all these girls' hands? <laughs> Does she know that you held her best friend's hand two days ago? Like I, I'm, I'm the pot stirrer. I, I do it all. I do it all just so they can get embarrassed, uh-huh. and before they get mad at anybody else, they get mad at me, and that's great. It, it that's uh, that's great. And it's really fun, and um, I, I love it. I, I'll do it. I can't wait to do it again. That's that's one thing I really miss was the interactions with this whole COVID thing. Like I miss blowing up everyone's spot i was gonna ask you uh what was teaching at first it was fantastic like for you? the first two weeks i was watching nothing but star wars i was just like well i've never seen star wars before i see like <laughs> one or two episodes and let me just watch them all since it happened around spring break um for us so we got a week off yes. before spring break so instead of getting off like that march 23rd we got off like march 16th so we had the rest of the month of march just to chill and at that i had already had my grades done so you know grading is like grading is a part-time job sometimes a full-time job on top of teaching with all the work so i I it is yes so i was feeling good going into spring break because i was like i can actually enjoy spring break so then once i found out spring break was going to be two weeks instead of one week i was like oh this is fantastic so i managed to do a whole bunch of side things and then when school started back in april for us i i teach a common core subject in ela so the curriculum was kind of already made and what i had to do was just kind of facilitate i would call kids if they weren't keeping up with the work i would help them help them out i'd send out update texts i got everybody in the remind app to send just updates and just life things. I started recording videos and like just sending them like little fun videos and stuff. Um, so I, I try to do those kind of things to make it as engaging as I could. 
simultaneously, I was also planning on getting, well, I was planning for marriage. So COVID kind of, yes. it gave me some space to figure all that out. Because I honestly, now that this COVID thing happened, I don't even know how it would have happened if, if I was still working full time. I'm sad that it happened, but I for sure try to take advantage of it and did everything I could to make sure that you know, life is okay for me and life is okay for us. So, um, yeah, but it, it was a bit of an adjustment thing, but it, it, it works for the most part. The students that normally do well in my class still did well. Students who normally don't do well still did not do well. And the students, and then there were a few students who would mm-hmm. normally, who would do well if they weren't as distracted in class. And those students did well too. The students ah. that would be passing if they weren't distracted all the time. And I was happy to see that as well. I had some cases of that too. Students who didn't perform well in the classroom, even though I knew they were interested in some of the material and had the aptitude for it. Some of them did better online, maybe because they don't have that whole room full of kids around them. And then of course, others did did not quite as well missing the social interaction. But I'm super excited to hear that at least the pandemic helped create more space to prepare for getting married Thank and you. congrats on that. You're right, teaching is all consuming. Mm-hmm. It, it takes over for the nine months of the year that we do it. And there are ways in which the pandemic mm-hmm. may have given a little we, bit of We a essentially work 12 months in nine months. It's so true. I, I know that there are people out there who are like, oh, why do teachers complain about having to grade after hours? They have all summer off. And I don't think they realize that teaching easily can turn into 50, 60 or more hours per week. It normally, uh, it, it during is. During the school year. Yes. And that's why it makes sense that teachers don't work in the yeah. summer because <laughs> we've already worked a full year, a, a year's work of worth in grading, meetings, and, and setting up setting up documents for students and just the, the planning that goes into the IEPs, staying after school, coming up to coming to school yes. early, leaving school late at night, and then the processing, and then and then don't and don't ever and don't ever think that the teachers who are amazing with kids and the teachers who the kids who want to connect with more outside of school and like if you've seen it in like I'd say movies or, or TV shows where it's like man you know what I can always call that teacher if I ever need help then that means you know that teacher has a million and one more things on their plate because these kids they just eventually they they like kind of be- become family to the teachers or at least vice versa so it's it's yeah it's it's a lot it's a year's worth of work in nine months I have one more question for you, and I'm curious, uh, who is your favorite teacher? Oh, this is great. I'm going to send her this now. Uh, My favorite teacher of all time would have to be uh, my ninth grade English teacher. Her name was Miss Rebels, Tasha, Tasha Rebels. When I was still living in New York, she was our ninth grade. She was my ninth grade language arts teacher. So my first year of high school was her first year teaching. Which I, I did not know until she told me this oh. a few years ago, um, which which explains a lot. And I wow. say that, uh, but she she was our she was our language arts teacher in ninth grade. And then in tenth grade, she was our drama teacher. Um, and I don't remember if I had her in eleventh or twelfth grade for anything, but ninth and tenth, she was language arts and drama, and she opened up the door for me and so and other students in so many ways. Um, she showed me that. 
when you're a teacher, number one, first of all, you don't have to just be one thing. Like, like I used to think that, okay, English teacher, teach English, math, teach math, science, science, uh, so on and so forth. But she, she, she did mm -hmm. a whole lot more than just teach English. She spent so much time after school with us. When I was in 10th grade, we did a, a recreation of The Wiz. And I played Tin Man in that. She allowed that creative space. She she allowed us to, to, like you know, get into the world of acting. But more so, I never wanted to be an actor growing up. But I did know after that class that I wanted to do something where I was in front of people, and I I didn't mind being in front of people because of that class. Like that class gave me so much confidence to do, uh, so many things. Um, so. And then after, on top of that, when I went to the 11th grade, 11th and 12th grade, I believe, I think it was 12th, uh, we, there was this program called TDF. And I, I forget what the DF stands for, but the T stands for theater. And we essentially got to see free Broadway plays. We, we, we wrote some letters, we applied like for this Broadway scholarship just to go see Broadway. And we, for like a full, school uh semester we went to like a broadway show like every other week it was so dope and we didn't have to pay for anything wow. and in fact we got to watch some of these plays with the director or the the creator of some of these plays um wow. i can't remember his name right now i can share it to you later but this guy mark platt there we go mark platt he directed wicked freaking wicked <laughs> and we got to mm. see wicked with him Wow. Um, we saw that with him. We saw Billy Elliot. We saw Mountaintop. Mountaintop was a play. It was a almost like a one-man show. And it starred Samuel L. Jackson and Angela Bassett. And it's essentially, that play was about the last day, the, the day before Martin Luther King died. So Samuel L. plays MLK, and he's in the hotel um, the <laughs> night before he died. And he has interactions with uh, this maid. Um, we saw... We saw Porgy and Bess. We saw, we saw, we saw a whole, a few things, and they were all super dope. And Wicked in particular was like, you know, that was the the opus. Like that was the one that was like, okay, uh, Broadway's amazing. I love this stuff. I love seeing people perform. And again, never did I want to be an actor, but I knew I was. I became more and more okay with talking in front of people and what that can do for people. Um, so she was the gateway to all of that. So it, it wasn't just grammar. It wasn't just learning about poetry, though that was amazing too. And I still remember the first poem I read in that class. It was a Gwendolyn Brooks poem, uh, We Real Cool. And oh. like that poem is like 10 words yes. long. And I remember Ms. Revels had us analyze the poem for 45 minutes. I was like, yo, Ms. Revels, there's 10 words on this paper. What, what is there to analyze? But there was so much and so little. <laughs> I, I appreciate her in so many ways. I don't even know if she'll ever she'll ever realize this. I gotta send her this now because I, I shouted her out. But um but her like she was just always there in the midst of those those things. So it was a crew of teachers that were all great, but she sticks out for a lot of reasons. She sounds extraordinary. It sounds like she gave you so many opportunities to kind of discover mm -hmm. the things that you loved. And wow, that sounds exciting. I yeah, I'm also encouraged. Uh, I've had some discouraging days as a ninth grade ELA teacher, 
and um, wondering if I was making any impact at all in ninth graders. And I love that your favorite teacher is your ninth grade ELA teacher. But just give it about 10 years <laughs> when that ninth grader completes <laughs> the circle of life and, you know, starts doing things, you know, maybe they'll, they'll reach back out to you. Give it about 10 years. <laughs> maybe. Well, Michael, thank you so much for doing this interview with me. I wanted to celebrate you as a teacher because I you have been such a good student. I had the privilege of watching you explore knowledge and create in the class room and I will never forget the Langston Hughes presentation you did on the connections between Langston mm -hmm. Hughes and hip-hop I loved your passion in the literature classroom and I'm excited for your students that they get to have you in their lives as a mentor and a teacher thank you for having me on let me know if if you have any advice if you want any advice or I might call you for some advice uh, for how to deal with these kids because we're all here we're all in the same boat Thanks for joining us on Dear Teacher this week. As always, you can find me on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Outcast, and other podcasting platforms. And don't forget to write in and recommend a Dear Teacher near you who you'd like to hear featured on the show. You can reach me at dearteacherpodcast at gmail.com. I'll see you next time.